now been revealed by the Spirit to His holy apostles and prophets. Where did this message come from? From the Holy Spirit working through the messengers, the prophets, the apostles. Well, how did this message come about? He says it was revelation. Right now, if you had a very good imagination, you could imagine that I was a great artist. That would be a stretch. All right, you have this piece of artwork here and have a cloth over it. And I said to you, I'm glad you came for my revealing of my artwork. And I tell you what inspired me to draw this. And I tell you what I've named it. And I tell you what I was thinking as I did it. And then just as the, at the right time, I pull off the cloth and it has now been revealed. Paul said, God had a message for you. God revealed that message to me in order to give to you. And he said, whenever you read what I have written, you will understand my, the mystery that was given to me. Friends, do you see how inspiration works? God had a message for mankind. God, through the work of the Holy Spirit, worked in the minds of these men so that they wrote the message down. It's not just that the Scripture is inspired, but literally the message that is communicated in the Scripture is inspired. It is a message from God. Is that it? Well, if we want to go further, we can break it down more. If you will, go with me to 1 Corinthians, the second chapter. 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, is most interesting as we see that not only the message is inspired, but even the words themselves are inspired. Look in 1 Corinthians, the second chapter. We're picking up in verse 13. And he says, these things, this is 1 Corinthians 2 and 13. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. Implied there is the word words again. In other words, it could read, and not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but in words which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual with spiritual. Now, if you want to link this morning's lesson with this lesson tonight, this is a passage that we made reference to, at least in the second service this morning, made reference to the fact that they had reached a point in their life, as you go down the next three verses to get to the end of the second chapter and then the beginning of the third chapter, that Paul had some things he wanted to teach them, but they weren't spiritual enough to learn it. And he said, the problem is because you're back in carnal things, you're back in the milk of the word when you ought to be ready for the meat of the word. Very interesting passage as he talks about inspiration and then he talks about how we ought to feed off of that message of inspiration. And the more we learn, the more we have prepared ourselves to learn. You see, we oftentimes handcuff ourselves so that we can't learn to the extent we ought to because we've simply stopped learning. Now, what did he say here, though? He said, the words I've given you back in 13, they're not of man. It's not man's wisdom that I'm imparting to you. He says, I'm giving you the words that have come by inspiration. But we can take it even further than just the words. Look with me, if you will, to Luke, the 20th chapter. In Luke, the 20th chapter, we see that even when the Lord speaks in Scripture using a certain tense, whether it's past tense or present tense or future tense, even the tense of the verbs, they too, they too are inspired of God. When we begin reading in Luke, the 20th chapter, all the way back in 27, the discussion in the 20th chapter, beginning at 27, is about the resurrection. The Sadducees did not believe in a resurrection. And so they began asking Jesus about the resurrection. And so he answers this in verse 37 by referring to a passage of Scripture. Let that sink in for a moment. That's interesting when Jesus 
refers to the scriptures. Here is the word of God embodied, incarnated on this earth. And then he is quoting or making reference to passages. Notice what he says here in 37. But even Moses showed in the burning bush passage that the dead are raised. When he called the Lord, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He's making reference to Exodus the third chapter, verse 1 through 6, where Moses was called over to the burning bush and God spoke to him and God speaks to him calling himself the I Am. I Am, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Jesus here says, if you'll just listen to the inspired message, you're going to see that there is a resurrection. In other words, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they're still alive not physically on this earth, but they're still in existence because if they weren't in existence, he would have said, I was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But you see, he said, I am. Jesus refers to that simple teaching in the Word of God and says, you can form doctrine around this. It's an inspired message of God. If I say it, I mean it. And if I say it in a certain way, I mean it exactly as I say it. Look with me, if you will, to Galatians, the third chapter. Can we break it down even more? Can we break it down to the letters? Do you think the very letters are inspired of God? In Galatians, the third chapter, whenever Paul wanted to make a point about that the promises would only come through Jesus Christ. He goes back to the Old Testament. He quotes scripture. And in a sense, what he's saying is, note, the inspired message did not have an S on the end of the word seed. He literally is referring to one letter or the absence of it. Look, if you will, as as we look here in Galatians, the third chapter, and we're going to read verse 16. Now to Abraham... And his seed were the promises made. He does not say unto seeds as of many, but as of one, and to your seed who is Christ. Do you believe the Bible's that literal? Paul did. Paul could go back and read a passage in Genesis. And he could say, you know how I knew that the blessings wouldn't come through multiple venues, that it would only come through Jesus Christ? Today, how do you get into Jesus Christ? The Scriptures makes it very clear that the final step, I'm not saying the most important, I'm simply saying the final step is to be baptized into Christ. Who's going to go to the Father? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man goes to the Father but by me. Now, today, how many people? Religious people. People that would even call themselves Christians today would speak about going to heaven through multiple ways. Well, I just can't believe that God wouldn't allow people. There's good people in these Eastern religions. I just can't believe if God, if, if God wouldn't accept. And they start describing all kinds of various situations. Now, friends, we're not rejoicing in anyone's state of being lost. We're simply making a point. Paul understood that when the Scriptures clearly spoke of singular, no S on the end of seed, that there was not going to be any promise that came outside of Jesus Christ. And he understood that fact from the absence of one letter. 
Do you and I believe in the inspiration of the Scriptures at that point? Do we believe that not only all of the Scriptures, but the message that's contained therein, the words therein, the tenses therein, even the letters therein are inspired of God. And if God says it, He means it. I don't guess we could break it down any more than that, could we? Jesus did. Let's look at Matthew, the fifth chapter. Matthew, the fifth chapter. Jesus was possibly being accused of destroying the law. And he made it very clear that he didn't come to destroy the law, but that he came to fulfill the law. The passage we just left there in Galatians, if we worked a little bit further down it, he was saying that the law, the old law, talking about the law of Moses was written to lead mankind to Jesus Christ. And once Jesus Christ uh, had died upon the cross, that law had fulfilled its purpose. So he did not come, in other words, to destroy it, to disobey it. He came to fulfill it. How much of the law do you think Jesus believed that he ought to keep? In other words, how much of that law was truly inspired? How much of it was from God? How much of that law was important? Well, notice what he says as we go right to the topic in verse 18. The fifth chapter in verse 18, Jesus said, For surely I say to you, to heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Jot and tittle. Jot was the smallest word. Sorry, the smallest letter in their language. If we're referring to the Greek, it'd be the iota. Or if we're referring to the Hebrew, it'd be the yod. Smallest, smallest letter. And Jesus, how do you view it? Do you think everything in the law is from God and ought to be kept? And he says, I'm going to keep it down, not just to the letter. He says, I'm going to keep it down to the smallest letter. And then he takes it a step further. He says, the truth is, I'm going to keep it down to the tittle. That's the hook that would be placed on some Hebrew letters to distinguish them from other Hebrew letters. You know that we have an expression of speech that comes from this kind of language out of the Bible. Do you dot your I's and cross your T's when you take care of details? Oh, that person's so thorough. You can always count on them crossing their, uh, dotting their I's and crossing their T's. I want you to imagine right now, I want you to imagine one line on a piece of paper Vertical, one line. What letter is that one line? But let me tell you, I've got to add just one little tittle to it. You don't know which one it's going to be. You see, I could add just the smallest little dot above it and I can make it a lowercase i. Or I can make the smallest little mark across it and I can make it a T. You see, the very smallest marks can make a difference in the message. Jesus Christ spoke of the law that he was compelled by faith to obey. And he says, I obey it to the very marks on the paper that God has revealed to us. How do you view inspiration? Tonight, in the few minutes that we have left, I want to share with you 
some views of inspiration, and we will not have time uh, to cover all of these. A lot of this thinking here, this part of the lesson and on, comes out of a really neat book written by Jimmy Jividen of uh, it was published by Gospel Advocate, Inspiration and Authority of the Scriptures. I'd like for you to notice how we can describe how some individuals' view of inspiration. Some would say that the Word of God, yes, it's inspired, but yet it's really just a product of man. When you see writings in various commentaries, and they'll talk about books being much written much later than what we would believe them to be written. In other words, when you read about the New Testament and it being written in the second and the third century. That's where this kind of view comes from. It's people that believe that really what happened was that things lived out. They were told orally. Uh, the history was passed down. And finally, through a paranormal view, individuals were given a special ability to just record what they were told. And God worked through them in that sense so as to preserve all of these oral stories that have been passed down. Friends, that takes away from the credibility of the Scriptures. The New Testament wasn't written in the 2nd or the 3rd century. When we look at the stories that, that Moses recorded, it was Moses that recorded those. It wasn't men that lived a thousand years later than that. A second view of inspiration is partial inspiration. J.W. McGarvey, years ago, wrote warnings about the line of view that says, yes, the Bible is inspired, well, at least parts of it are inspired. He would say that those people that believe that, they teach the sacred writers were guided by the Holy Spirit in all matters essential, things like doctrine, morals, and faith. But then they were left to their natural powers, and therefore they were, in regards to these, as liable to make mistakes as other men. In other words, in the real important things... They wrote inspired messages. But in other things, it wasn't inspired. Now, how are you and I are going to tell the difference? Isn't that convenient? Because then, if there's anything that we don't want to follow as inspired, we just say that was one of the things that they didn't write by inspiration. Today, a modern-day view of that is a book entitled Myth and Christianity, written by Rudolf Bultmann. And Bultmann says that there is truth in the New Testament and in the Old Testament, but you're going to have to carve away all of the myths to get down to the truth. Again, a very convenient way to figure out which parts of the Bible that you want to obey and which parts that you want to discount. The ones you want to discount are simply myths. One of the most common that's taught in seminaries today is places the inspiration upon the reader. In other words, the Word of God was written by man and the reader has to pray that God will work in him for him to be able to figure out which parts of the Scriptures apply in the life of the reader. And so therefore, God working through the reader makes certain portions of that Scripture inspired. Now, what we see in this is we see literally the view that the scripture is the word of man and that the reader is going to have to judge the word instead of, as Jesus said, the word judging man in the end. A fourth one is cultural conditions. This is really popular today too. You hear a lot of writers, they'll talk about 
well, the culture of the first century. And then they'll bring it around and talk about the culture of the 21st century. And what they'll do is they'll say there are many things in the scriptures that are cultural that just do not apply to us today. And in that discussion, they'll talk about things about marriage and divorce. They'll talk about the role of women. They'll talk about the worship of the church, the organization of the church, even baptism. And talk about how these things we can't really respect in the scriptures because they were written for a primitive culture. And they were written for an Eastern culture. They weren't written for a modern Western culture. That's how many of the individuals that practice sprinkling today, some of their scholars actually discount the very need to baptize, not because it's not mentioned in the Scriptures. They know that immersion is mentioned in the Scriptures, but what they'll say is that is just not fitting for our modern Western culture. You see, it's a dismissal of so many things based upon culture. The fifth one that we'll mention is an incomplete inspiration, and that's the idea of where we speak where the Bible speaks, and we're silent where the Bible is silent, and it would be the idea that, no, we don't agree with that. We only agree with the first part. We'll speak where the Bible speaks, but yet the silence of the Scripture has absolute no authority at all. It's interesting to see how during various reformations of religious groups, Martin Luther, you see, he believed that you speak where the Bible speaks, but he didn't agree with being silent where the Bible is silent. Swingley was also a reformer of his day that had a huge impact on Switzerland and even much of our Western religion. He believed more of the idea of we respect the silence of the Scripture also. And so Martin Luther and him couldn't agree upon various things. For example, you see, Martin Luther would take, we speak where the Bible speaks, but where it's silent, we have the right to do as we would wish. That's how he would negotiate his way through infant baptism. It doesn't say anywhere in the New Testament that you can't sprinkle an infant. That's where he would agree with the idea of instrumental music. But yet one of his contemporaries would say, wait a minute. If we have a direct command, the silence that is associated with that direct command has authority also. Friends, the very fact is if the silence of the Scriptures doesn't have authority, the Scriptures themselves do not have authority. Now, if we want to bring that into our church family, a hundred years ago, we had a break. Now, much of that break is known as the Christian church. A lot of time individuals say, oh, I know the two things that caused the break a hundred years ago of the Christian church away from what we today call ourselves the Church of Christ. They say it was an instrument and it was the paragroup organizations like the Mission Society. Yes, but no. The break was we viewed inspiration differently. Friends, I know that what we're talking about tonight is not a topic that pulls you to the edge of your seat and you ask for more when it's over. But I promise you something. If we don't get our hands wrapped around this, we are entering a time, perhaps it's been a time for a good while, but it is real. We better not only know what we believe, we better know why we believe it. And we better be able to teach the next generation And what we want to teach them 
is we want to teach them to love the Word of God, but that's not enough. We have to teach them how to respect the inspiration of the Word of God. Not our traditions, not our views. It's this simple. Can we today read the Word of God for the intent that God gave it and not twist the message into what we want? The other two is selective application. That is, well, if it doesn't have to do with an area of salvation, surely it doesn't matter. When I first came into full-time preaching almost 20 years ago, that was something I heard very, very often then. Is it a matter of salvation? Is it a matter of salvation? Do you think Nadab and Abihu in Leviticus, the 10th chapter, when they got ready to offer strange incense on an altar, do you think they stopped and asked themselves the question, this would be okay because this incense burned every day, all day long every day. Surely it's not a, a matter of salvation. They were struck dead. And what they did at that moment would not be tied in by our definitions today as a matter of salvation. But God tells why He struck them dead. It's because they did not obey His command. For in the relationship that God wants with us is for us to fully submit to Him. If you love me, keep my commandments. John 14 and 15. If we truly follow God, we obey His commandments. That's what love is, and that takes us to our last one. We'll mention quickly and then extend the invitation. And that is that the Scripture is given to us simply as a love story for us to see how God loves us and where we fit into God's love story. It is true that the Scripture is a love story. We see all about the love of God in the Scriptures, but any time that kind of jargon is used to downplay that the Scripture also has in it law, it has in it commandments. Just as we just mentioned John 14 and 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. And just as in Romans the 11th chapter and verse 22, we need to know the goodness of God and the severity of God. Anytime you and I do anything to the Scriptures to try to magnify one aspect of it, to downplay another aspect of it, we're not being fair with inspiration. God wants us to see a God of love and a God who will severely deal with those who do not obey Him. In the Scriptures, grace and law are never pitted against each other the way those that would follow this idea of inspiration. In other words, I need to be honest with the Scripture. Down to the very jot and tittle to be honest with the Scripture. Not twisting it. Not trying to make it fit into what I want it to say. But to say, Lord, speak for your servant hears. Wouldn't it be awesome if the world was full of Samuel types? Speak for your servant hears. Tonight, have you been baptized into Christ as a believer, willing to repent of sins, confess before men? If you have tonight, are you close to God? Have you lost the way? Have you lost the focus? Do you need to come back? Tonight, no matter where you are, let's make sure all of us leave here tonight wanting to simply believe that this is a message from God And we want to exalt God in our life by fully submitting to this message. If we can help you in any way, come as we stand.